8.45. Now, Bob Woodward, a long-time American journalist with the Washington Post, well-known for reporting on Watergate. Yes, the original scandal. As well as a number of insider source books on past U.S. presidencies, according to early excerpts reported by various news outlets, Woodward's latest book, Fear, Trump in the White House, provides some shocking accounts of what went on with respect to us. Yes, Korea. Let's ponder some of those stories and what they mean. With uh, Up close today, Jung Hwang, independent legal researcher with Law Quant LLC. So we can trust you to stay on the right side of the law in uh, addressing these allegations (laughs) because President Trump already, I think, has dismissed them as sort of fake news and not entirely reliable. Um, Let's get to the first one. President Trump did not understand the need for a special intelligence operation in South Korea that allows the US to detect a North Korean missile launch within just seven seconds versus 15 minutes from Alaska. What operation is this referring to? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a fascinating uh, revelation in the sense that one one could say, well, maybe it's the THAAD system. It's, it's supposed to have an X-band radar system, which actually elicited a lot of obje- uh, objections from China. But on the other hand, North Korea has been firing missiles for a long time. And you can't really th- think that, you know, U.S. just sat by idly until the THAAD was actually installed uh, in the last year. So, you know, was there another X-band radar installation without public knowledge, you know, in the few years when the North Korea has been firing missiles for past few years before the, the, you know, the, the moratorium went into effect last year. I mean, it's kind of fascinating to think about what kind of intelligence assets the U.S. has. I mean, you know, one, one could say that it's probably that, but I think the more reasonable uh, conjecture would be that the U.S. has some other intelligence assets in South Korea that allows them to detect North Korean missile launches. On that subject, some of this understandably should be under wraps, shouldn't it? I mean, obviously not where it comes to public health and safety, but I mean, just look what happened with the over-publicization of that. China ends up hitting South Korea with all these unofficial sanctions. It puts us at a disadvantage with North Korea that doesn't have to talk about any of its activities. That's right. But at the same time, the U.S. has known to, you know, kind of silently install, you know, intelligence assets around the world. For example, you know, U.S. has had a similar radar installation in Israel for a long time, which allowed them to actually see what Iran has been doing for for a number of years. So, you know, similar thing could have been taking place in Korea under, you know, public scrutiny for quite some time. Well, also, I mean, and this was really shocking, according to Woodward, Cohn stole a letter off of Trump's desk. When we talk about Cohn, we're, we're talking about... An Gary economic, Cohn. Yeah, an economic advisor. He's now out, you know, he's been yeah. replaced by Larry Kudrow at the moment. Not, not yes. to be confused with Michael Cohen. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, different spelling too, yeah. Different spelling, exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, just to clarify mm-hmm. that, um, the president was apparently intending to sign... Uh, an agreement to formally withdraw the United States from the FTA with South Korea, the free trade deal. And Cohn later told an associate that he removed the letter to protect national security and that President Trump didn't notice it was missing. It's kind of so strange, this, that you think it's almost got to be true um, or, or you intuitively think it might be true because it's quite a thing to just make up out of nothing. 
Right, and according to Bu, actually, the similar thing happened that doesn't directly affect Korea, but supposedly there was another letter that was supposed to withdraw U.S. from NAFTA, North American Free Trade Agreement, and also for that letter was also removed, I think, that time not by Gary Cohen, but another aide, but supposedly a similar thing ha- has happened. And, and, you know, for Korea, this is kind of a you know, really big news in the sense that, you know, wow, we were really, really close to having the Coros FTA being uh, you know, terminated by the United States, and it also makes you wonder, Well, what went on before they led to the drafting of the letter, ready to be signed by President Trump, and what happened afterwards? I mean, surely President Trump just didn't draft a letter by himself. There were A's involved. There was surely discussion involved. There was supposed to be some kind of follow-up. And, you know, this book just tells about this this episode, which is supposed to, you know, show the chaos within the White White House. But from the Korea's perspective, you sort of have to wonder— What happened before? What yeah, happened well, yeah. afterwards? I mean, you know, what is going on? I mean, how many letters are there that they can just go exactly. missing? Exactly. And who are the aides who are, you know, for, you know, drafting this letter to terminate the course of FTA? And who's involved? I mean, who's for, who's against? I mean, it raises all kinds of questions from South Korean perspective. Well, Gary Cohn is one of those aides, or was one of those aides in that situation. So. And he was clearly against it, but you know, clearly there are other aides who are going along with it who drafted the letter, and clearly they thought about implementing the plan, you know, which were involved in you know, letting South Korea know. I mean, suppose all this went on without under wraps, and we were that close, you know, President Trump signing the letter from terminating uh, the Korea's FTA. So from Korea's perspective, this is something that you know Korean government really look, in, look into closely and find, figure out all the details. And on that note, I'm mean, wanting to notice that actually. So nothing really, you know, there were some minor pro- provisions that amended the course of FTA, but course of FTA is more or less, you know, intact and nothing is n- n- coming out of it. From the Canada perspective, you know, President Trump has recently has really trained his sights on Canada as well as NAFTA. So, you know, he's sort of following up on the NAFTA front. So who knows when the fire will come to the Korea side in the future? Well, speaking of... Uh fire and fire and fury it was viewed before as being something of a of a kind of pr stunt by president trump Mm -hmm. to to make people believe he was capable of something wild but this allegation suggests he is actually capable of doing things because you know this was not something that he intended to publicize um and if you are an opponent of trump it's almost dangerous to be releasing this information. Um, President Trump himself, we should say as a disclaimer, said that was another thing in the book that was just totally false. Well, just put that out there. I mean, he's... Uh, so... F- the whole story is, and of course, the President Trump has denied the book in a number of front, a number of tweets. White House has put out a statement. Uh, Secretary of Defense Mattis and Chief, Chief of Staff Kelly have both put out statements saying that you know much of the account in the book is false. At the same time, you sort of have to look at what Woodward has done in the previous books with the presidency. He usually doesn't uh, doesn't have unsupported contents in his books. Has hours and hours and hours of of you know, tape recordings of people he has interviewed. And many people uh, have been confirmed to have to talk to Bob Woodward with this, this book. So, you know, there may, may be some embellishments, but you know, given all the kind of loose way that the, this White House has played with truth in the past, I mean, you know, you sort of have to take, you do have to take the book with a grain of salt, but at the same time, to just to trust the denial from the White House, I think would be also re- responsible from South Korean point of view. Well, on a similar note to what I was saying before about 
is he really capable of doing these things? Uh, for example, assassination of Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. Could that have really happened? So uh, for the listeners, supposedly what, what happened according to the book is that he actually instructed Gen- uh, uh, you know, Secretary of Defense Mattis to actually assassinate uh, you know, Assad. And supposedly uh, Mattis just ignored the order. And later, of course, we do know that they actually bombed Syria over the use, use of chemical weapons. But that kind of, you know, go, go, Goes to show, you know, a couple of things. Does you know, President Trump really have a firm grip on his administration? And two, if he really repeated his order to assassinate Assad, there is no way that you know, Secretary of Defense Mattis could have just ignored him forever. And you know, U.S. might have actually tried to attempt to uh, assassinate Assad. And you know, we might actually say, sitting here in Korea, what does it matter? Is Syria? It doesn't really directly concern well, us. Kim Jong Un probably would exactly. Say. North Korea. Kim Jong Un is probably thinking, oh, is that true? I mean, what else is it capable of? And I think, you know, that is something, you know, for us really ponder. And as this Korean administration, current South Korean administration trying to broker further, uh, you know, peace between the U.S. and North Korea. Right. Uh, the, the thing is, coming back to another point from before, this might all seem rather chaotic and it, it might be seen as a negative from a U.S. perspective. But from a global foreign policy stance, actually, maybe... This will play into the allies' hands because, you know, if it makes North Korea believe that President Trump is capable of some wild decisions, then it makes him harder to predict and perhaps keeps them interested in the dialogue process. That's one way to, uh, you know, hope for the best. Is that too much of a positive spin? No, I think you know that that's actually kind of the argument that Trump and his allies have actually raised. The fact that uh, the point is that he's so unpredictable that it actually makes North Korea and China willing to play the ball. On the other hand, one thing that you have to reckon, uh, you do have to be worried about is that this probably makes North Korea even more reluctant to give up their nuclear weapons, saying that well, if it's that unpredictable, nuclear weapons might be the only thing that really guarantees our security, which has been their you know bottom line stance anyway. Yeah, you'd, you'd perhaps want, uh, if you're Chairman Kim, to have some sort of uh, system in place and let the world know about it. If there's an assassination attempt, some, some, some button gets pressed somewhere. Absolutely. I mean, look, even South Korea has a so-called decapitation unit, which kind of you know, specializes in sort of targeting high-valued assets in North Korea, and that was publicized under Moon administration, if you remember, from last year. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, North Korean concerns are not really unfounded. Well, it, I mean, it's a whole other conversation which we don't have time for now, but a fascinating one, like what would happen with China, what would happen with Russia? How would the dominoes fall with either Bashar al-Assad or Kim Jong-un? If of course. something like that were to happen. A rather grisly discussion, but nevertheless fascinating. Thank you very much, Jung-Wan. Thank you very much.